This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We got both of our baseball locals in action. Mets kicking off a series down in Florida against the Marlins. Already got a one nothing lead, courtesy of Francisco Lindor, who takes Sandy Alcantara deep over the center field fence in the top of the first. You know, Alcantara, though, is a handful, as good a pitcher in the National League there is this year. Beat the Mets last Sunday at City Field, as a matter of fact. Mets got to him early, but just couldn't keep tacking on. We'll see if they fare better this evening. Yankees, we'll see if they have more magic again this evening against the Houston Astros. Really good pitching matchup. Luis Severino and Justin Verlander, who is having a wonderful comeback season after missing last year due to Tommy John surgery. Round two, the Yanks and the Strohs, and uh, I think we all know that it ended pretty memorably for the home team last night, winning in walk-off fashion. I mean, it's like at, at this point you just – it happens, but you almost don't even bat an eye when you're talking about the Yankees because you expect this type of stuff. You know, it don't matter if they blow a team out, doesn't matter if they win comfortably, doesn't matter if they rally in the ninth inning. More often than not, they're going to find a way to get the job done, and that's why they're out to this run that they are right now in the American in League East here in 2022. And for all intents and purposes, they've pretty much slammed the door on this division race here this summer. So we'll get into all the baseball stuff a little bit later on. I'm watching Freddie Freeman's return to Atlanta. Dodger first baseman, spent his entire career with the Bravos. And, you know, we'll we'll play some of the sound for you a little bit later on. He had a press conference earlier today. He couldn't even get through the press conference. I mean, that's how emotionally. He literally walked in the room, right, that was jam-packed with media. And he, like, almost got to the front of the room where he was going to go to the podium. He had to stop, turn around, and leave the room. Just because it was it was too much for him to bear, and, and he could barely get a word out edgewise. Like just, I mean, he had the towel there, wiping the tears away. I mean, and tonight he's getting his World Series ring. The guy who was like the face of the franchise for a decade, you know, he finally gets his World Series ring. They win that elusive championship. He's got to wait till June twenty fourth to do it. But that's business. That's baseball. And um, hey, Braves are having a good season. Dodgers are having a good season. So I don't think either one is necessarily regretting the business side of things too much, but you know that that's going to be a pretty emotional scene tonight down there in Atlanta. And as I said, we'll play some of that sound for you later on. You also potentially have the Stanley Cup that's being awarded tonight out in Colorado where the Avalanche are just one win away, 60 minutes away from getting that Stanley Cup. They have not won it since 2001 when they beat the Devils in seven games. That one still eats away at me. But uh, Tampa Bay lost that heartbreaker in game four the other night in overtime. And so tonight it is up to the Avs, Lord Stanley in the house. And if Tampa Bay wants to make it three consecutive Stanley Cups, they're going to have to win three consecutive games here to stave off elimination. So a lot of things are brewing this evening. But as you can imagine, of course, we got to begin with what happened last night. And maybe it's more appropriate to say what didn't happen last night. You know, because all week long when we were doing the shows and we were talking it up and just trying to understand and speculate about what the Knicks were going to do, what could possibly lie ahead on Thursday night. And we had all of these visions, right? We had all of these dreams about what could happen. Well, maybe just, make, you know, Jaden Ivey is the object of their affection. That's who they want. You know, if they can get Jaden Ivey, now you're talking about a ball-dominant guard, a lead guard that could come into Madison Square Garden on a very, very, you know, rookie-friendly deal, if you will, and flash and show some of that potential that he showed in West Lafayette for the last couple of years, and maybe, just maybe, the Knicks can find themselves a superstar, and more importantly, in the backcourt, you know, that they can latch on to and, and make one of their own for years and years to come and hopefully get this program 
back in the winning direction in the Eastern Conference. Well, you went into last night, and as it got underway, you started to get the sense that maybe, just maybe, that wasn't going to happen, right? That Sacramento was saying no at number four. They didn't want to trade down. And then when they turn in the car, do they make their pick, and you realize, wow, it's not even Jaden Ivey, because we thought Jaden Ivey was going to go number four. Despite the fact that I didn't think he was necessarily a great fit with De'Aaron Fox out there, and instead they took Keegan Murray. We'll see if they're right. We'll see if they're wrong. But then at number five, Detroit says, well, we're not going to make the same mistake. And they make him their selection to pair with last year's number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. And watch out for the Pistons, by the way. It's not, it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen this year. But let me tell you something. Next couple of seasons, the Detroit Pistons are going to be a pain in the neck in the Eastern Conference with those two dudes in their backcourt leading the charge. And why does it matter to Knicks fans? I'll tell you why it matters. Because right now, and there's only a few teams, there's only a few teams right now in the Eastern Conference that the Knicks can, you know, walk outside and thump their chest at and say, ha, we're better than you. We got you. We're far superior to your basketball outfit. Well, like I said, look at what the Pistons are stockpiling. I thought the Pistons had a great night. And I don't know, look, none of us know if these guys are going to pan out. Pistons also walked away with a guy that was a Nick for a few minutes in Jalen Duran, right? By all accounts, Detroit had one of the better nights in the NBA last night. Now we'll see if they can foster that talent and if they could play up to their potential in the next couple of years. So what did the Knicks make off with? Right? What did, what did the Knicks get? Well, we get to number 11, and there's still some guys there on the board. Right? There's still some guys that to be had, and you say to yourself, all right, well, maybe it's not Jaden Ivey. You know, maybe it's not necessarily a guy that, you know, maybe we were in love with. You know, maybe not a guy who's going to walk in there in day one and completely just absolutely transform the fortunes of the franchise. Yeah, I, I, I get that, right? I, I, I totally get it. But there were still some decent players. You know, how much did we talk this week about A.J. Griffin, for example, from Duke? Right, he was still on the board. Mark Williams from Duke was still on the board. Ochai Obaji, whether you believe in him or not, but you know what? He was a winning player. Championship player at Kansas, he was a guy that got better and better and better. You'd, uh, a guy like him, you admire the work that he put in and the sacrifice to get better. There were guys potentially that you could have taken a flyer on and say to yourself, all right, you know, maybe we're going to get a diamond in the rough here. They didn't do that. They didn't do it. Instead, what they decided to do was play let's make a deal. Right, Leon Rose and company just decided to move some chess pieces around. And, and let me say one other thing, too, and tell me if you feel the same way as I do. I consider myself, you know, fairly intelligent, right? I, I, I know a couple of things. You know, I can put two and two together, that type of stuff. But it is becoming more increasingly frustrating over the years. When you talk about the NBA, and specifically the draft, like you need a rocket science degree to keep up with all this stuff. Because as these trades started to get announced last night, and it was, you know, a 2023 pick that's a protected pick and a 25 that's conditional. Prote- I mean, like, whatever happened to just like a trade? Now we're trading picks like 17 years into the future when guys who aren't even born yet are going to be the ones that are being wasted those picks. 
Like, that's how far off into the distance we're talking about trading draft choices. And some are protected, some aren't, some are conditional, and some aren't. I, I mean, your head is spinning. I talk about this with baseball all the time, like, because baseball's become so analytically driven and so conditioned by the Sabre metrics and all this stuff and this garbage. And I say, nobody watches a baseball game with a spreadsheet. When you're sitting at the bar, when you're sitting on the couch, when you're sitting in your favorite chair, when you're sitting in your buddy's house, at the ballpark, wherever the hell you watch a game, you're not watching it with a spreadsheet. Nobody watches sports to think. You want to think, you put on a movie that features, you know, like uh, 18th century Europe or something like that. Right? You don't watch sports for that. And that's what's happening now with the NBA. It's like, all these trades, enough is enough is enough. So the Knicks come out of here with three future conditional first-round picks. Yay! Dream about them. Yay! Does that get you excited? You want to go buy some tickets because you got three future conditional picks? And by the way, how good are they going to be? How good are they going to be, possibly? Washington and Detroit's next year, those are both protected. You got Milwaukee's in 2025, also protected. You know, unless you're telling me that Giannis Antetokounmpo is either going to retire, move back to Greece, give up basketball or something, how good do you think that pick is going to be in 2025 from the Milwaukee Bucks? All of a sudden, the Bucks are going to go in the tank? Team that just won a championship last year? But they got cap space, and they got Trevor Keels. So I don't have any inside information. But I'm going to wager a guess and to say, like, the Knicks probably gave the ticket sales department off today. You know, we're officially in summer, so it's the first summer Friday officially. Maybe the powers that be there over at MSG told the ticket department, you know what, summer Friday, take it off. Because realistically, what are you doing if you are a Knicks ticket representative trying to solicit buyers for the upcoming season after last night? You know, what's on the brochure that they're mailing out to people or they're sending emails to people? They're sending future conditional protected draft choices they're sending out pictures of cap space cap space is not something tangible cap space is something that just is like in the thin air right you can't put that on a, a brochure or a pamphlet or anything and get people excited and then I guess you could put a picture up there of Trevor Keels let's not forget about Trevor Keels who they got from Duke in the second round so they got a player from Duke just not the one that or the ones that maybe we all wanted. But we'll see about Trevor Keels. He had a good game in the Final Four against North Carolina. They lost, but he had a good game. Played a good game at Madison Square Garden earlier in the season when Duke played that, like, you know, the Champions Classic or whatever they call against Kentucky and, you know, when Michigan State's there, Kansas, all they play. Those were, like, his two best games of the year. But you know what? That was last night. That was last night, and I slept on it, just like I'm sure a lot of you did. And I tried to wake up today with a new understanding, a new purpose, right, of what happened. Just trying to make a little bit more sense of what they did. Like, can I get behind the plan? What is the method to the madness? Well, I think I figured it out. I think I got it. But I'll tell you what I think. When we come back, though, I also want to hear what your impressions were the last 24 hours for the New York Knickerbockers. 800-919-3776. And more importantly, does it leave you encouraged? or discouraged about what could lie ahead here this summer, specifically in a couple of weeks once free agency and everything gets started. Now back to Dan Grasa 
on 98.7 ESPN. Also should mention lost in all the shuffle, Kemba Walker's gone. They had to attach a first-round pick with him to get him out of here and to get rid of that salary, even though it wasn't ridiculous salary. I mean, we're talking about $9.2 million, but they saved the money nonetheless. And look, the Kemba Walker, I, to me, everybody thought it was a cool story. Everybody was a little Pollyanna as far as I'm concerned last year. When they came to the agreement, thinking that the local boy coming home, you know, can he recapture the fountain of youth? Can he recapture some of that UConn magic from what he used to do at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament all those years? It didn't happen. You know, the body let him down. He was out of the rotation before you knew it. And you knew that he's not the same player anymore. And it just was not going to be a fit. And if you ask me, I think it was dead on arrival, to be quite honest with you. Like, I never bought into the nostalgia. I never bought into, like, this was actually going to work. And it didn't. You know, two years, $18 million, not the end of the world. But what did the Knicks get for their investment? They got 37 games, and they got about 11 points a pop. That's what you got out of Kemba Walker. So now you move on. And now you talk about the next step. So, like I said, I, I, I had this new kind of outlook on what, the Knicks did last night and trying to make sense of it all and what it tells me and what you infer from it is that when they got to number 11 they felt that there was not anybody on the board that was going to help them win games immediately next season that that that's my take and I think that that's pretty obvious right because if they did I think that they wouldn't have made some of those moves. They would have went and taken a player that they liked, and they would have held on to him and seen if they could develop him and, you know, make him an instant contributor. But they didn't feel that way. Now, they could be wrong. They could be burned. And remember the talk going into this draft. It was not exactly a deep draft. It wasn't one that was littered with, like, immediate contributors, let's say, you know, through pick 20. That wasn't the case. Supposedly, that's next year's draft. A lot of talk up about next year's draft being a little bit deeper. But they didn't think anyone at 11 could help them immediately. And I'm a big proponent and trust your process, trust your scouting, right? Trust how you evaluate players, how you rate players. Nothing wrong with that. But you better be right. You got to be right. If that's what you believe in, your entire scouting staff, personnel staff, fine, great, super. But you got to be right. And the Knicks are banking on it here. And what it also tells you is that make no mistake about it. They decided to punt on the draft last night to go all in on free agency and really all in on one guy. You don't got to be a genius to figure it out. You know the guy they're going after. He's in Dallas. He's kind of a part of the extended family already. Remember, his father's a part of the coaching staff now. You talk about sweetening the pot. His agent is the son of Leon Rose. So when you play connect the dots and you add all this stuff up, I mean, let's be real. I'm sure that Leon Rose and the Knicks have some sort of indication that maybe just maybe Jalen Brunson wants to come here or he will come here. Otherwise, what do you make of all the moves that you made last night for? And if he doesn't come here, well, guess what? I think it's going to make him look even worse, given all those other things. All right, let's see what you guys think. 800 919 
3776. That is the telephone number. Anthony on Long Island. He's going to be first up here on 98.7. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, Anthony. What's up? Hey, so I'm a huge, huge NBA fan. And like you said, it's like almost like a science now with the draft. So I was making a lot of references before draft night even happened. When I saw that the Pistons had traded Jeremy Grant and they were linked at the five pick to try to potentially get Ivy and the Knicks were trying to get either the fourth or the fifth pick, mm-hmm. I was convinced that either Randall was going to be traded to the Kings for the fourth pick or Toppin was going to be traded to the Pistons for the fifth. And when they balked on everything and they were at the point that Ivy had already been drafted fifth, I thought that that 11th pick with them getting all those future first-round picks was to try to make a last-ditch effort to try to get Ivy with a bunch of future firsts and maybe sweeten the pot with Toppin again. And I think it just got shot down. And at that point, they, again, just punted on the draft and tried to get uh, as much salary cap for a free agency. So I kind of agree with some of the stuff that you were saying, but I do think that they continued trying to go after Ivy after he was already selected fifth. No, he did. I, 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 100% I know that for a fact. Anthony, thank you for the phone call. And, and you could say that that's maybe a little disconcerting because it seemed like the Knicks kept trying to sweeten the pot. And with all these extra future ones and draft choices that they were acquiring, they were also trying to package those to send down to Detroit and then have Ivy come their way. It was like they were working the phones every five minutes. Well, hey, how about we toss in this? How about we toss in this pick? What about this player? You like him? How about this? How many picks is it going to take? They tried. You know, so I give them credit for that. Like, they didn't give up hope. And look, there was no obligation for the Pistons or by the Pistons to have to trade Jaden Ivey. Why would they? They think he's a good player. Knicks think he's a good player. So Detroit won the battle of the ping pong balls a month ago. And that's why they were picking fifth and the Knicks were picking 11th. Right? And if the roles were reversed, probably the Knicks were the ones taking Jaden Ivey, and there would be some other team probably calling them, see what they could do to get them up to their club. But it didn't happen. Alex and Westbury up next here on 98.7. What's up, Alex? How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, Alex. What's up? Um, so I just want to say that as a Knicks fan myself, I do feel that um, we are overreacting a little bit. And I understandably so, though. Understandably so. Um, I myself didn't believe there was anybody worth drafting at 11, like you said, that would make an impact right away. And if it wasn't going to be Jaden Ivey, I know that the Kings weren't going to give them up. Give give us number four pick for Julius Randle. That like that would have just be that would have just been straight stupidity. At number five, the Pistons had all the all the cards in their hands. I mean, I, I don't think they would have traded either. But I will say I, I was a little surprised to see them take another guard when they already have two young guards um, in Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham. Um, but regardless, I don't think that we should all press the panic button right now or come clamoring um, for Leon Rose's job or anything like that. Because as of right now, there was nobody at 11. We are looking at Jalen Brunson, obviously. And I think Jalen Brunson would make a solid impact on the New York Knicks uh, since we haven't had a point guard in over God knows how long. Well, Alex, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Why? Tell me why. Because we're, we're going to get into this. So you're first up here. Tell me why you think Jalen Brunson is the right fit. I think Jalen Brunson is the right fit because he is—he's just a straight-up playmaker. I mean, I can't—I can't even remember the last time the Knicks had had just a playmaker who can score as well. Not—not not necessarily score twenty points a game, 
but a solid and efficient 15 points a game is, and maybe eight assists with maybe a turnover or two is all we need to bi- continue to build this foundation that we ha- already have right now. It's worth taking a shot, and I thank you for the call, Alex. Good stuff. It's worth taking a shot because at this point, what are you going to do? Are you going to roll out the same guys that you're going to have? Yeah, you're going to have Alec Burks as your uh, starting point guard on opening night, a guy who's a natural two guard playing the point guard. And and look, I'm not just doing this to pick on Alec Burks. Alec Burks is, you know, did them a favor. He played out of position. He was a good team guy, and that's why I hope Alec Burks actually comes back. You know, like I know that Burks and Noel, those are the two guys that you know they're going to try to unload one of those salaries. Let it be Noel because I think Burks can actually still help you win games more than Noel can. Plus, Noel's always hurt. I know Burks is coming off foot surgery, but still, Burks is versatile enough to where he can play multiple roles for you, uh, and Tibbs loves him. But here's the thing about Jalen Brunson, and this is what we have to get into next year at 800-919-3776, and is it worth going all in on him? Like, I can understand if you wanted to create, and look, in, in the past they've done this, right? Create a bunch of cap space, give yourself some flexibility, maneuverability, all those things, but... 2010, it didn't work out for you. Couldn't even get a meeting with those guys when it was the big summer, LeBron, Bosh, Wade, all those guys. Nobody wanted any part of the Knicks. And in the past, you know, a few years back when it was KD, when it was Kyrie, nobody wanted any part of the Knicks. Nobody wanted any part of the smoke playing at Madison Square Garden with the scrutiny, with the coverage, with the pressure, all those things. So it's great to have cap space, and this, this is my concern. It's great to have cap space and to be able to say we can bring in anybody we want, whether it's by free agency, trade, we have the room for you. But how do you know that they want you? What's this team's track record of getting free agents? They got a track record of getting free agents, but unfortunately it's like having to overpay guys who aren't necessarily worth it. And we saw that to a certain extent last year. I'm not even talking about Kemba Walker necessarily, but like Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier worth that money? Like Evan Fournier worth that money to come in and be a starting two-guard for you on a team, on a, on, a, on a winning championship caliber team? The answer is no. And remember, they gave Julius Randle the contract extension last summer too. And you thought at the time that it was a bargain. But then he went out and had the season like he did last year, and now everybody wants to throw him out of town and see what you could get for him, and get rid of that salary. So this is great. You know, you're all in on a free agent. You've identified the guy you want, but how do you know he's going to want you? Because far too often in the past, not enough guys have wanted the New York Knickerbockers. Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasa back with you here on 98.7 ESPN, at Dan Grasa on Twitter. G-R-A-C-A. Here's the thing. I mentioned the track record and the success slash fail rate that this team has had luring free agents in the last several years. Okay, we get that. But compare it to the alternatives right now. Like, would you rather have somebody like Colin Sexton? You know, you want to make a trade for somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, who's got a lot of money still left on his deal, a guy who's 30 years of age. Like, is that the direction you really want to go in? I don't. But the fact of the matter is about Jalen Brunson is that you're talking about a guy who's really only had one good season so far here in the NBA and one very, very good playoff run. Kind of picking up the slack for this team while Luka Doncic was on the shelf. 
I'm not even going to get into the Kyrie possibility. I mean, that that's not happening. Please. that that No way is that happening. So we don't even have to waste our time. But there's another point here with Jalen Brunson. And I understand, like, they've been burned in the past. Given guys with a small sample size, not enough of a track record, and giving them a monster contract thinking that, oh, my goodness, their best ball is still to come and it never happens. Like the other night when we were on, I, I, I brought up the name, and we go in the time machine here. Remember the whole Jerome James fiasco all those years ago? Now, I know we're talking like, had to be like 15, 16 years ago. I mean, it, it was a long time. It was still like during the Isaiah Knicks. Jerome James was a big man, played with the Seattle Supersonics. That's how long ago it was. They were still the Seattle Supersonics. Played with Seattle. Didn't really do much first few years of his career. Then his final season with Seattle had a great playoff run. Like averaged a double-double. Like he really played well in the postseason. To where the Knicks thought, hey, let's get this guy. Maybe his best basketball. He's got all this upside still ahead of him here. And let's give him a big contract. And you pretty much know how that story worked itself out. He did nothing. Did absolutely nothing. Like I don't want Jalen Brunson to become Jerome James 2.0. That's what I'm afraid of. And earlier today, I did this. Um, I went on Ian Begley's uh, little stream show on SNY, the putback that he does. Great job. You guys should check it out, by the way. SNY.tv. Um, and on the panel with us was Vince Goodwell from Yahoo. Great basketball writer. And he made a point that I hadn't even really thought of yet when thinking about the pros and cons and everything of Jalen Brunson. He made the point that, like, what's going to change for Jalen Brunson when he moves on to a new team, whether it's the Knicks or anywhere else? Well, he might not. He might stay in Dallas, right? But let's say he were to move on. Here's the difference. When he was playing in Dallas, the opposing team's best defender was on Luka Doncic, not Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson comes to a team like the Knicks, he might get a more serious look from the opposition. Meaning like, wow, this is a guy we got to shut down. Even if R.J. Barrett's there, even if Julius Randle is still there or whatnot. So he might find a little bit more difficult, tough sledding when he's a New York Knick as opposed to what he was with the Dallas Mavericks. Because look, the Knicks don't have a guy as good as Luka Doncic. There's not a lot of teams in the NBA that do. So that's what the opposing team was staying up late the night before, scheming and trying to figure out a way to stop. I don't think we have that guy in the Knicks yet. At least not yet. So that's what you're potentially getting. And are the Knicks going to be in a situation where they're going to have to overpay to lure Jalen Brunson here because Dallas can offer him more money. And Dallas, you know, is going to make an honest effort. Everything that they've said leads you to believe that they don't want to lose this guy. So then you're talking about somebody who maybe hasn't done it all that much yet. You're going to have to pay him a heck of a lot of money to do so. And then you run that risk of it maybe blowing up in your face. Justin in Queens, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Justin? How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Great show Justin. so far. I got so Thanks, many man. points. I just, I'm going to try to be coherent, right? Yeah. I, first of all, I love the, I love the Jalen Brunson uh, move or thought process. Here's why. As, as I was waiting on hold, I just, I just uh, I averaged out his playoff numbers. You know what they are? 22 and a half. 22 and a half in the playoffs. Would you not agree it's harder to score in the playoffs? 
he was averaging 22 and a half in, in a lot of games. Luca either wasn't there or he was trying to get his rhythm back. That's my first point. Second mm-hmm. point, you just said that Dallas, right? The Knicks are going to have to overpay because Dallas wants them. Usually the Knicks are getting guys who their own team doesn't want. Dallas has, has gone out of the way to say that, hey, we want this guy back. That should tell you something. That's two. Three, even if Brunson doesn't give you 22 points, his regular season numbers when Luca was there cooking all year was 16 and a half. If he does just that and his, and his assists go up to like five or six, that's all the Knicks need. That's three. I'll give you four. Mm-hmm. You just said that, they, that he may get uh, their best, the other team's best, best defender. I think that's wrong. RJ is going to be an all-star this year. He's going to get their best defender. That, and, and, and with Brunson and RJ doing what we think that they're going to do, maybe, just maybe, Julius can, can get out of his own head and start playing like he did two years ago. And for all the Knicks fans that say, oh, let's get this guy out of town, listen, he turned me off last year too, talking about Julius. He turned me off last year as well. But he still averaged 20 and 10. 20 and 10 is what the Knicks would normally be looking for in any offseason, and we got that out of Randall. And even if Randall is not back, look at Obi. We think Obi's going to take the next step. So um, I'm saying all of this to say that Jalen Brunson, yeah, it's $100 million, but what does that really matter? These guys are overpaid any way you slice it. I think we need a guy that can get us a bucket at winning time because I can give you seven to ten games last year that the Knicks lost specifically because we didn't have a point guard in the fourth quarter. All right, so you're all in. You got no problem with Jalen Brunson if he's the guy. I mean, I would love to tell you – I would love for you to tell me where I was wrong on, on any of those points. Well, here, here's the thing, though. I still go back to the small sample size. Like, everything that you said, though, about what he did last year and all those things, that's great. But are they going to be able to space the floor good enough? That's another question. And but, you know but, that Tom okay, Thibodeau it's, doesn't it's, necessarily it's like sam- to – but Tom Thibodeau doesn't necessarily like to play that way. Small sample size. I'll give you that. Small sample mm-hmm. size. But, again, I'll go back to the playoffs. It's harder to score in the playoffs. They were in the Western Conference Finals. And who else was scoring but besides him and Luka? So, I mean, what do you want? If, if, if it was a longer sample size, right, like you're saying with maybe Brogdon or Kyrie, those guys have question marks too. Now, I mean, and I love this. I'm not saying you, but, but people love to talk out of both sides of their mouth. Oh, it's a small sample size. Okay, but the guy's 25. Well, if it's a large, larger sample size, oh, well, he's 30 years old. He's cooked. He's, he's over. I mean, come on. Like, look, it's, and that's why players don't want to come here. It's always something. Like, it's always, like, why, why does anybody have to deal with this? I'll give you another point. Look at them. Oh, the Knicks. Oh, nobody ever wants to come here. All it takes is one guy. And look at Phoenix. Booker ascended, right? CP3 wanted to go there. They got Aiton, and all of a sudden, now they're a big-time team. If RJ can ascend, we get a player that can actually make them better. Boom, now the Knicks are back on the map. And, and, and do you remember this? When we were 41-31 and 31 in the fourth seed, right, and we made the playoffs, what happened? Dame was like, oh, maybe the Knicks. Magic Johnson, oh, maybe the Knicks are our destination. Now people are like, oh, maybe I want to go to the Knicks. It just takes one. People need to just relax a little bit. I know it's, it's a popular thing to, to hit the panic button and go on Twitter and this and that. It just takes one, and I, I understand what Rose is trying to do. He's just got to go do it. Justin, good call. Seriously, good call. Get back to us. Here's the problem, though. Here's what we need to figure out. Maybe the front office knows this, and they're not willing to tip their hands just yet, but, like, we're going to start to get answers again this year. Who are the real Knicks? Are they the Knicks from two years ago? That Justin said, remember, went, was it 41-31? and 31, Got a four seed? Home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs? 
or were the real Knicks the ones we saw last year that bottomed out, missed the postseason, and kind of were more reminiscent of the old Knicks more than anything else? What was real? Right? What's reality and which was a fluke? Because I think a lot of people are going to point to that year with COVID when they were playing in empty buildings. You had no fans. You didn't have to really, when you go into an opposing city or an opposing arena, I mean, you're walking in. It's not exactly a hostile environment when there was nobody sitting there. So we'll find out for sure. And by the way, I know you want to talk about the playoffs last year, and yeah, Brunson was great, but I'm going to give you, again, I mentioned Jerome James. It was the same thing with Jerome James all those years ago. Jerome James was a guy who averaged like four points in his career. But that last season with Seattle in 2005 in the playoffs, he averaged 12.5 points and seven rebounds, which was like night and day more than anything he averaged in his career in 11 playoff games, in just 11 games. And then that was enough to convince Isaiah Thomas and company to say, hey, this is the guy that we got to get. Oh, my gosh, got to get him. Got to sign him. We're tapping into something special here and had that work out. It was awful. So as I'm saying, I, hey, it's not my money. It's not your money. But I just want a little bit more certainty in that I know that I'm getting a guy who's going to be able to do it and deliver year in and year out. Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the phones. Let us say hi. Will in the car is up next here on 98.7. Will, how are you? Good, Dan. You're Dan the man. That's what I call you. Will. You're Will the man. That's what you are. What's going on? Well, I agree with everything you said about Jalen Brunson and um, Donovan Mitchell, but it's like we're going to have to pull teeth to try to get him. And Jalen Brunson is like 6'1", but what if the Knicks did have a plan B or a plan C in the form of DeJounte Murray? See, we don't talk too much about him. If you look at the draft last night with the Spurs, they did draft Malachi Branham and Blake West. Those are two guards, which brought, you know, it piqued my uh, interest. And I was like, wait a minute. So DeJounte Murray on the block is 24 Legit 6'4", can play defense, the wing, can defend, facilitate. You know, this is the type of guy that Tom Thibodeau might fall in love with. Again, Brunson, yeah, the dad's on the coach. You know, he's on the bench and stuff. He's coaching and everything. But 6'1", you know, he's just come onto the scene like a, a year or two. That's what I, That's why when you said that, I agree with you 100%. But what if DeJounte Murray could be that guy? You don't have to give up much but draft picks instead of all the, the money you're going to have to pay. You know what, Will, that's, that's interesting because DeJounte Murray's name actually came up a little bit earlier today when I told you we were doing that, when I was doing that thing um, with Ian Begley on, on the SNY with the putback. Here's the thing about DeJounte Murray. And I, look, I, I like him as a player, don't get me wrong. And, and the most important thing about it is Will brought up, the dude plays both ends of the floor. He plays defense. But the only thing about DeJounte Murray is, like, we're looking for guys who are going to help make this club winners, right? We're looking for guys that are going to be able to take this program to the next level. And the Spurs have this great culture and this great history and the championships and the wins and the playoffs and all that stuff. San Antonio, though, the last three years haven't done anything. San Antonio's been a losing program the last few years with DeJounte Murray. You know, so... Are we talking about a guy that can make others around him better? And I know that San Antonio's talent wasn't all that great. Though. I, I get it. I totally get it. But am I really going to sit here and tell you that what the Knicks have already on that floor and in that lineup is something special or something that's supposed to be, like, guaranteed? 
I don't know if DeJounte Murray has that in him. I need somebody who's a little bit more proven. This is a hell of a chance you're taking here. Same thing with Jalen Brunson. Like, Jalen Brunson, we haven't seen him do it long enough. DeJounte Murray, all right, he's been in the league longer. He'd maybe got more experience, but he hasn't been part of a winning program yet. And remember, when he came into the NBA, DeJounte Murray, the Spurs, yeah, they were still like a playoff team, but he wasn't really a big factor. Wasn't really doing a heck of a lot. But that intrigues me. I just seem to think, and I go back to something I said way, way, way earlier. You play the connect the dots game with Rick Brunson, now a part of the coaching staff. Leon Rose's son is Jalen Brunson's agent. You mean to tell me that they don't know or have some sort of an indication as to what's going to happen with Brunson and where he's going to end up? I, I just, deep down, that's what I think. Like, they don't make all these moves and get themselves in position to where not only do they basically like punt on the draft, but now they're in the process of getting all this cap space to be able to make a run at the guy. They probably even know what numbers it's going to take. They probably already know the dollar figures, and they're working towards that. The question that we are all trying to figure out is, will Jalen Brunson be the right selection to help this program? Steve in the Bronx up next here on 98.7. Stevie, how are you? Hey, Dan, I'm not good. Not good at all. Steve, what's the matter? Tell me. What 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 can we do for you tonight? How can we help you? I, I, um, so if they get Jalen Brunson, let's just say you get Jalen Brunson, I'm not satisfied with what we've done for the last couple of years. I'm not satisfied with just Jalen Brunson. I need at least some, somebody else. They They got to get somebody else in here. With all the pieces that we have, all the young guys that we have, we have Grimes. We have the kid Sims. We have Toppin. You know, we got Mitchell Robinson, and we still don't know what we want to do with him. Well, Mitchell you Robinson's know? a free agent. That's and Now, I think yeah. I seem to think he'll be back, right? Because, remember, they got bird rights to try to re-sign him, which means they could go over the salary yeah. gap if they have to. I Like, Mitchell Robinson, like, I understand – I know the center is like a dying breed in the NBA. You know, it's not what it used to be, yep. and the center has a different role. But it's like, I, I almost feel like you, you, you take Mitchell Robinson, and it's almost like a car. Like, you got this car once upon a time, and yep. it's, it was used, it was run down a little bit, and you said, I'm going to take it, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to get some new parts in it, and I'm going to work on it and flip this thing up to where it's going to run really, really well. So you put in all this time with that car for three years getting it ready, and then at the last minute, you want to maybe sell it for some other parts or sell it, sell it for a nice deal or something like Absolutely. that. No, don't you want it? You're right. You want it, all this work you put into it. You want to be able to take advantage of it and enjoy. That's the yeah. Mitchell Robinson situation. Yeah. And another thing is, why not get a stretch big in there with Julius Randle? What we've seen a lot from Julius Randle was him trying to penetrate and the paint being too crowded. What if he had another? What if he had another big man? He was able to kick it out with too, because who who he had Gibson in there, Nerlens Noel, and Mitchell Robinson. Not one of them can shoot the three. Not even the young guy Jericho Sims can shoot the three. Why not give him a stretch big to see how he performs with that? Well, unfortunately, Steve, game. Steve, I hear you. They do, the, here's the problem though, and, and I thank you for the phone call. Problem is, those dudes aren't just like out on the street. You know. They can't just walk outside of Madison Square Garden and see some dude hanging out front and be like, hey, you a stretch big? Hey, come on in, play for us. It doesn't work that way. Those guys are a premium. If you got them, you're going to hang on to them. 
And that's why, like, we brought this point up again. Like, Jalen Brunson, think about the style of basketball and think about the offense that they play in Dallas versus what they do here in New York. And some of the luxury of the personnel he had around him in Dallas to where he did have a little bit more real estate to work with. And that floor was spaced, not to the extent that you're going to see right here. And is that really Tibbs' way of playing ball? And the, I mean, like, see, you know what could potentially change all this? Potentially. And potential is a scary word. One of the scariest words we have in the English language. But what could alter the complexion of this club, of this argument, of this discussion that we're having, and the discussion we're going to have probably for the next month while this roster takes shape over the summer. What are Julius Randle's expectations next year? And we're going to assume he's going to be on the team. I don't think he's going anywhere because I don't see anybody taking that money. What Julius Randle are we getting in October? Are we getting two years ago Julius Randle that was all NBA? Or are we getting last year Julius Randle who wasn't all NBA? He was, I don't want to be here Julius Randle. He was frustrated. He was checked out. He was ornery. He was cantankerous. All of those things. What Julius Randle are we getting? Because if we get the guy closer to two years ago, you're getting another all-star in your lineup. Right? Then if you do bring in a marquee player, whoever that is, then you might be talking about a legitimate big three. If you have an all-star Randall and ascending R.J. Barrett and then whatever player you're bringing in who's of value and of worth. But what guy are we getting? 800-919-3776. We'll talk about that when we return. Plus, boy, do we got to get into the Nets drama. And you talk about drama, you talk about a soap opera, the Brooklyn Nets, ladies and gentlemen, capital B, where Brooklyn at? Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. The latest chapter in the soap opera, or the gift that keeps on giving, however you want to term it, over in Brooklyn between the Nets and Kyrie Irving and... And I guess we could kind of lump KD into the mix, even though this isn't necessarily about him, and we'll get into it here uh, at 800-919-3776. So it's amazing, like, we were getting ready for the draft yesterday, but then in the afternoon we're seeing stories how now there's Kyrie stuff, and people wanted to report that KD is keeping a watchful eye, and that if Kyrie and the Nets are going to have a divorce, then KD is going to tell the front office to trade him and get him the hell out of there, and then the Nets are going to be as irrelevant as they ever were if those two guys are gone. Like, I mean, it's not going to happen because I believe KD is word that he's not going anywhere. But could you imagine if it did and then Ben Simmons is the last holdover in Brooklyn? Like, Ben Simmons might not even know because, I mean, he's so checked out at this point. Like, I saw he was somewhere, like, you know, on a giant, like, fishing yacht or something like that the other day, and the back looked fantastic, too. But... You know, Kyrie could be gone, KD could be gone, and then Ben Simmons is going to show up to training camp in September and maybe not even realize those two guys are no longer on the team. And then all of a sudden, Ben Simmons' back is going to start hurting again, and then, you know, he probably won't be able to play, and then who knows what kind of a lineup the Nets are going to have out on the floor next season. But uh, kidding, of course. But Kevin Durant, you know, contrary to popular belief, and he had his, he has his uh, little podcast, and we'll try to get some of those clips for you in case you didn't get a chance to hear it. But Kevin Durant has not, repeat, not told the Brooklyn Nets that he wants to be traded if Kyrie Irving bolts. And I give him credit for that because, look, when it happened, and we all just, like, jump into the hot take machine whenever stuff is reported, whether it has any merit or not, but it's fun, right? 
People got on KD for leaving Oklahoma City and going to Golden State, right, joining the enemy, and he won two championships with him. And then he decided to leave and go to Brooklyn. Okay, fine, whatever. He could do whatever he wants. But if he were to, like, jump ship and leave the Nets after he already signed him a new max extension, by the way, right, that max extension kicks in this year, the four-year max. That would be the worst of all. But I don't think it's going to happen because that would almost be like apocalyptic. Even for the NBA standards, where like nothing makes sense. Nothing at all. I just can't see KD. Because you know what it does? And I always, whenever we get into these conversations about legacy, you know, who's better? This guy better than that better. You know, this guy better than that guy, even though he played 30 years ago versus, you know, a guy playing today and so on and so forth. My attitude is, Whenever you talk about legacies and who's better, I always subtract points for the guys that are playing today because these guys are playing in an era, by the way, which, you know, defense is a rumor for the most part. Number two, load management is such a big factor in today's game where – just the mere suggestion of you playing 82 games is, like, laughed at. I mean, you might as well ask them to, you know, walk up and down the street with a car strapped onto their back. Play 82 games. Why? I'm only making $20 million. Really? You know, it's things like that. And and the fact that these guys are just, like, at the drop of a hat, leaving teams, wanting to be traded, get me here, get me there. Like, so all that stuff factored in. Like, I, I can't take it seriously. I really and truly can't. And I don't even think KD would do something like that. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And in the podcast, he said he's staying out of it. Whatever's going to happen with Kyrie, that's between Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets, as it should. And believe it or not, because I work with professionals, damn great professionals, in Tom Bauer and Jacob Perry. They have that sound ready for you. Now, what is the name of this podcast, by the way? Because I want to give proper attribution. I don't want to shortchange anybody. It's called the ETCs, I guess the Etcetera's. Oh, the Etcetera, okay. It's like a little abbreviation. I didn't know if that was like somebody's name. Yeah, I didn't like know. Like Ed- Edward Thomas Charles Yeah, I don't know like what it stands yeah. for. I guess uh, I just see the ETCs. It looks like the Etcetera's. So it's him uh, hey. practically talking about uh, him and uh, Kyrie's free agency. That works for me. So here you go, the Etcetera podcast. Here's Kevin Durant talking about Kyrie and his future with the Nets. There's no involvement at all. I mean, I can't be involved with this is this man's livelihood. You know, this is uh, it's much bigger than me. You know, this is being a free agent is one of the most important times in in your career. You know, so that can't be swayed by anybody else. And so I just do me and wait for the time. I mean, there's nothing can happen right now. I I don't think he make a decision on opting out until 29th, I think. So I just kind of let let things play out and see what happens. But you know, keep the con, keep you know, keep the regular contact up with you know with Kai and you know, see what happens, man. I'm just it's something that's so much out of my control that I I don't want to get it be a part of it. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens, though. Here's one part that I do disagree with, and I don't know if you guys picked up on it as well. Yes, it's true where he's like, well, that's Kyrie's job. You know, that's his personal stuff. It's his livelihood. I'm going to stay out of it. You know, that's 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 specific to the individual and yada, yada, yada. But correct me if I'm wrong. 
Wasn't this the same case, and didn't those same things apply back in 2019 in the summer when they were joined at the hip to go to Brooklyn? So, like, if you want to stay out of Kyrie's business now, weren't both of you guys, like, all in each other's business back in 2019 when you decided to join forces with the Brooklyn Nets? Because what happens if one of them wanted to go play for the Knicks, for example? Was the other one going to follow him to the Knicks? Or was that never, not, never an option? Or if it was going to be some other club out there with the adequate cap space to be able to bring in the two superstars. Instead, they were checking in with each other. They had this thing planned out. They were buddies. They wanted to play with one another. Now it's backfired entirely. And it's kind of like, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Like, what more does KD... I don't give a crap if Kyrie is like KD's blood relative. If this is the guy that I have had to call teammate and somebody that I've had to rely upon for the last three years and this is the return and the investment that I've got in it, why am I even bending over backwards to try to continue playing with this guy? Why would I do that? He hasn't proven to be loyal. And the thing that I keep coming back to with Kyrie more than anything else, Kyrie's number one priority is not basketball. It's not. Aside from the Et Cetera podcast, KD's priority is basketball. I give him credit for that. Not Kyrie. I guarantee you by the time October gets here, which is still what? Three months away. Kyrie's going to have a new number one priority, something that's not even of this earth yet, probably. It hasn't even happened yet. Or at least it's something that we have no idea about. But all of a sudden, that's going to be at the forefront of his mind. He's going to start dropping hints about it, Instagram stories, live IG chats, whatever. And all of a sudden, basketball then goes to the back seat. So I don't know what they're thinking, to be honest with you. I really and truly have no idea. But all I could say is that if the Brooklyn Nets open up the 2022 season and neither Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving are a part of the team. I, mean, I, I don't know if I can ever remember such a catastrophic fall from grace that this franchise has suffered over the last couple of years. I mean, they were planning parades for crying out loud. They thought it was a fait accompli that this team was going to win and win big. And now you're talking about maybe not even having these guys on your team. And they blew this whole thing up. Remember, Sean Marks and company, with, and the owner Joe Sy too, because he has to sign off on all this stuff. They killed the coach once upon a time. Remember Kenny Atkinson? They threw him overboard. And by the way, Kenny's got himself a nice championship ring this year, sitting next to Steve Kerr. So congratulations to Kenny, who got a raw deal. They threw him overboard. Then they, were, they did all this great work building up a culture. And Sean Marks is talking about the culture and the camaraderie and guys that love basketball and they're selfless and all these things. And then they completely took a detonator to that culture and went all in on James Harden because James Harden was fat. He was out of shape. He sulked down in Houston. And for five minutes, he decided he wanted to go play with the Brooklyn Nets, which now we find out he never really wanted to in the first place. He wanted to just go back to his buddy Daryl Morey in Philly. But Brooklyn was like the first stop on the way to Philadelphia. And then they trade away pieces that were good players, good clubhouse guys, all those things, and the Leverts and the Jared Allens and all those guys. Nets gave up about 7 million draft choices to Houston, which we'll get to in just a second. And now one of the two guys who you built your franchise around is suddenly wishy-washy about his future. 
And then you got the other guy who happens to be the best player of the most. See, that's what's funny about this thing, too, with Kevin Durant. Like, and other people have brought this up. Like, when KD gets into these, like, Twitter spats with people and everything, he's one of the greatest players ever. You know, Kevin Durant's a top 15, top 20 player ever. Think about the tens of thousands of people that have played professional basketball in our life, ever. He's one of the best 15 or 20 to ever do it. And he has to, like, lower himself to, like, respond to Twitter trolls and this and that or, or even get caught up with guys who don't value basketball the same way he does. That's what's disappointing. Like, there's players that aren't even a tenth as talented as Kevin Durant, haven't accomplished a tenth of what Kevin Durant has, who seem to be a little bit more assured and confident of their abilities and their status to where they don't have to go back and forth with guys on Twitter and burner accounts and all these other things. Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. So with Kyrie, Wednesday is the day where he has to decide, am I going to opt in to my player option for next year, $36 million. He could also do that, not to only just pledge his allegiance to Brooklyn and say, I want to stay around and be a net. No, if he's going to be an ex-net, that's the best way for him to get what he wants because then that helps facilitate a sign and trade. Pick up the money, and then the nets could work something out. But remember, the nets... If they are going to have a divorce, the Nets are going to do what's best for them. Like, they're not obligated. Why should they be obligated to send Kyrie Irving where he wants to go? Like, that that cracks me up. Like, you've seen the reports over the last couple of days that Kyrie's preferred, quote-unquote, destinations. Both L.A. teams, the Heat, the Knicks, Dallas, Philly. Let, let's just play process of elimination for a second. So we could kind of, like, help him call his own bluff here, Right? Lakers can only offer him the mid-level exception, which is $6 bucks. Is he really going to go to L.A.? And I don't care about all this, hey, him and LeBron are becoming buddies again and they're FaceTiming late into the night and, you know, watching Netflix together and all whatever stuff that, you know, buddies do. But you think he's going to go on a discount deal for $6 million? I don't think so. Because what do you think is the root of all of this back-and-forth acrimony with the Nets? It's money. Not because he doesn't like Brooklyn anymore. Not because he never took to Junior's Cheesecake or Coney Island or anything like that. It's because money. He wants to get paid more. Even for $36 million next year, which would be his walk year, he doesn't think that's enough. Miami is a smart organization led by Pat Riley. They wouldn't touch Kyrie with a 10-foot pole, so you could forget about that one. The Knicks, well, been there, done that. You know that that's not happening. Dallas... I'm going to also defer to Mark Cuban and say that he's a little bit smarter than maybe people want to give him credit for, and there's no way he would take on Kyrie Irving. And then Philadelphia was the other one. Um, Doesn't James Harden play in Philadelphia? Remember James Harden? He and Kyrie Irving, they were teammates in Brooklyn, really didn't get along very well. So you really think that Kyrie would go to Philly and Philly would bring in Kyrie? No thanks. So again, what are Kyrie's options here? Where's he going? That's why, like, we could sit here and it's good for fodder and to talk about, okay, him and the Nets busting up and stuff, but where's he going? It's all about money. He wants a long-term deal. Nets want to go to a shorter-term deal, and they have every right to do that. That's actually smart business because if the one thing that you cannot do 
in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you don't even have to be somebody that follows basketball. You could be a five-year-old who barely pays attention to the NBA. What has Kyrie Irving done over the last few years to where you could sit here and look at him legitimately and say to yourself, hey, guess what? This is a guy that we can believe in. This is a team-first guy. This is a selfless guy. This is a guy who loves basketball. None of those things apply to Kyrie Irving. None of them do. None. He's played in 103 of 226 possible games with the Brooklyn Nets since he put pen to paper. 103 of 226. He's missed more than half of them. Imagine whatever job you have, whatever you do. If you miss work more than half the time you're supposed to be at work, well, in the real world, you're not going to have the job much longer. Like, you would have been fired a long time ago. But that doesn't how, that's not real life in the NBA because the NBA isn't real life. And to think that KD, Kyrie, James Harden, which again, James Harden was the one that the Nets sold their soul for and broke up what was a good thing. They played a grand total of 16 games together. 16. And what did it get them? It wasn't 16 playoff games. You know, it wasn't winning 16 games that helped you win a championship. Nope. 16 games. Howard in Westchester. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Howard, what's going on tonight? Hey, Dan. How are you? Howard. Uh, talk to to really, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Got, gotcha. Loud and clear. Okay, great. I just wanted to, I'm still back on the Nixon Brunson and, and yep. your analogy with Jerome James. I, can't, I don't see it, man. Jerome James, different era, different player, different size. And Jerome and, and – and Brunson is, you know, played four years at Villanova. D one, great coaching at MSG, under pressure, playoffs, biggies. He's the real deal. And and by the way, his biggest stretch of best games was when Luca was out, and he was the number one guy. So I don't think that argument holds water either. I think he's a great acquisition. And I think to your earlier point about why they didn't draft AJ Griffith, um, I have, I agree with you. I think that their agent. And the son of the uh, the guy, of the Nick guy, and also um, you know the the father of being on the team, they must know that they're signing uh, Jalen uh, Brunson because they would have they would have taken AJ Griffin. And I also wanted to ask you: Do you think Mitchell Robinson and Obi are going to take huge leaps next year and be a big factor? Did you say Mitchell Robinson? Did, was that the only one you said? I said Mitchell and Obi. Oh, Mitchell and Obi. Um, Howard, thanks for the call. Look, here's the thing with Mitchell. I don't know ultimately what his end game is offensively. Now, we know he's extremely, extremely raw, right? That goes without saying. He was raw when he came into the building. And I would still say even a few years later, I I I think he's still a little bit raw. But is he ever going to be like a 2010 guy? No. No. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who is going to step out consistently and knock down 20-footers, if, if, if that's what you mean. His game is going to be down in the post. His game is going to be cleaning up uh, misses, attacking the glass, rocking the rim, all those type of things. And if he could stay out of foul trouble, and if he does the dirty work defensively, rebounding, then I think he's worth his while, 100%. Like, you, you can win championships – Obviously, without having a dominant center nowadays. It's just the way. I mean, look at Golden State, right? And half the time, they're playing small ball. Where, like, Draymond is playing the five. And Draymond's no seven-footer. So, 
It's a different NBA. But as long as you're not going to have to break the bank to retain a guy like Mitchell Robinson, I- I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to run it back. Because I think you're talking about a guy who, A, genuinely wants to be here, which is important, and B, you're talking about somebody who I think is also eager to get better and to improve and somebody who wants to work on his craft. And I'd be unless he totally, totally just gets blown away with an offer, I, I really can't see him leaving, to be honest with you. Let me say hi to Sean in Brooklyn, who's up next here on 98.7. Sean, good evening. What's up? How you doing, bro? Sean, what's up? Yes. All right. There was I, I was calling. I was calling originally to talk about you know Knicks draft night, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But the chance to drag Kyrie and KD is too good to pass up. It's just too good to pass up. KD <laughs> has to be the most talented, the absolute greatest, the number one beta player in NBA history. That man is not a leader whatsoever. I have yet to see him go somewhere. Same thing with Kyrie. Kyrie thought he was going to go somewhere, and, and you know, he wants to leave LeBron to be the man. He has not done that. Everywhere has yeah, been better with him for the most part. Absolutely. When, when it came down between the summer when uh, KD and uh, Kyrie were available, I was adamant as a Knicks fan. I did not want them nowhere near here. I want dogs here. My targets was Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi Leonard hasn't played much since, so I would have been wrong at the end of the day, I guess. However, Jimmy Butler's been a dog, and I stand by that. I would have rather those two over these two because at least those guys is hard about their game. You know, they, they take their stuff serious. KD has been attached to the hit for Kyrie. They went and depleted a really good Nets team who built it the right way. Kenny Atkinson did get robbed out of a great situation. He did everything he was supposed to do. Very glad he got himself a ring with Golden State because he deserves it. He made a culture out there. They look young. They had their assets, and they depleted it all just so they could try to get some uh, get some seats filled in the arena because nobody attends the Barclays like that unless it's a concert, and they were really low in attendance. Amen. They went and swung for the fences for big names, failed at it, nothing about it. There was no leader here, no leader there, and their main guy, KD, injured. So just didn't make sense for it. Then with the little bench and stuff they had, they got rid of it for Harden. I mean, I love, I am loving watching the Nets crumble right now. Like, when has KD been the leader? He hasn't been, I mean, yes, he's the leader in the Nets right now, and, and but we're we're not. And everybody thought they were going to be great except me because I'm like, he's not a true leader, though. When he was in OKC, was he really the true leader there or was he just the best player on the court? Russ was running that team. Russ well, that, was that, running that's, the offense. You know what, Sean? That's a great point you made. That last thing you said, and, and I want to hit on that, and, and I thank you for the phone call. I got to get a break here real quick, but you get back to us. That's a fantastic point. Right? There's a difference. And I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive either. But there is a difference between being a leader versus being the best player on the team. You can be both. Right? There's both. But which one is KD? That's a good one. This, this, this. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>